podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fireball. Hi everyone, it's episode 150 from ourselves at GigPod. And on this show, we're going to be talking up recently departed right back Joseph Juranovic. We're going to be discussing his best moments, his greatest performance for the club, some other honourable mentions, and his time at Celtic, as well as seeing where he ranks in terms of right backs and myself, Stevie, and Rizzo's time as supporters of this wonderful football club. John, are you ready to do this? And also, hello. Hello, Stevie. Hello to all the listeners. Yes, I am ready to talk about JJ. A great Celtic player who sadly was at the club long enough, but we can talk about that in this tribute podcast. We signed Joseph Juranovic on the 21st of August 2021 from Ledger Warsaw for just over 2.5 million. He actually left Ledger, I remember, John. I think he was playing against Slavia Prague the day before he signed for Celtic and he scored an utter screamer. You saw the videos all down the rounds and... You know, you already had like a great feeling about Juranovic, didn't you? When we sign players, you know, especially under Ange, and I've automatically gone to it thinking, oh, what a player he's going to be. You always have to give them time and acknowledge that they might need five or ten games to get up to speed before you can form like, a solid opinion. But with Juranovic, Spunkphone used this phrase before with Haksabanovic that he passed an eye test. And I can kind of get that because he did, didn't he? Before he even kicked a ball with Celtic, he had all the credentials, uh, you know, Croatian international. Um, he'd scored a screamer to help his old team and he seemed to leave in very good terms like Arthur Boric as well um, I think the two of them had a great relationship at Ledger Warsaw and he had an excellent sort of bond with the fans and that would be the case at Celtic but yeah, before we talk about his performances and his best moments and everything you just knew you were getting a quality player, didn't you? You did, because and we really needed to sign him because, I mean... We never knew how good Anthony Ralston was going to be for us in the past year and a bit, but he had he was practically only right back at the club, and he started the season well, but we were really going to be in the crap if we didn't sign another right back. And JJ was a guy that somebody at the club identified. It probably was Ange, when you think about how good all Ange's signings, well, most Ange's signings have been since he was Celtic manager. And as you say, you could tell already with that goal score for Legia, with the way he left the club, Arthur Boric as well was like talking him up. You knew he'd be a good player. And 2.5 million is still, even now I'd say, a decent decent money for us. We don't go out and spend big money that often unless it's like a guy we really need to sign, like CCV and Jota. And I have to say, for his first game, I know it was difficult circumstances, we'll talk about that in a second, but I mean, I thought this is going to be a good player. I don't know if I thought he was going to be as good as he turned out to be, and I didn't imagine that a year and a half later, he'd be leaving and a five million profit run about that. But no, I mean, you knew he'd be a good player, and the fact that he was good at taking penalties was a bonus as well, but no, you could tell very early on that this was going to be another good signing badge. I mean, you know, you say that we need like up to 10 games to decide if a player's going to be good, I think. With the guys at Ange's boat, it's about five games to tell because Ange's signings have been, as I said the other day, 90% excellent and JJ was one of them. We go to Ibrox and Celtic are a team that are heavily criticised before a ball's even been kicked in that game. Of course, the all-conquering Rangers who, let's be honest, flopped against Malmo, weren't getting criticised in the press at all. But Ange's Celtic team who are in the 
very early stages of a rebuild were just getting hammered by the Scottish media. Great guys, but of course that is no surprise, is it, John? But it was a bit of a strange game on that day at Ibrox, John, because that was the time when, I think, obviously COVID was running mad in Scotland again. It was like a resurgence of it, wasn't it? In fact, I, yeah, I actually covid on that day as well. I remember just feeling so terrible and that was the early stages of COVID that I had and everything. But yeah, Rangers, um, they had Al McGregor out with COVID. I think Gerard wasn't there. Um, and they didn't have the penalty king himself, Tavernier. He wasn't playing either. So they had two big players out as well as a manager and everybody seemed to be going, out, going on about how Rangers were hampered for that but neglected the fact that Celtic had a dreadful record there. Um, hadn't won there since... September 2019 under Lennon and we get done in at Ibrox the season before. Then we were going there with a relatively new team as well and that back four, you've got Josip Juranovic making his debut at left back with Carol Starfelt when he had first games for Celtic too, with Stephen Welsh fairly inexperienced and Anthony Ralston who was slaughtered by the fans the season before but was a wee bit of a resurgence from him as well. And of course, Joe Hart behind them, who'd not long signed um, that month as well. So Juranovic was at left back that day, making his debut. And he was up against like, Joe Aribo, was playing like, on the right side of the midfield three. That day, Kamar Roof actually went off. I think it was Arfield that came on for him, but Roof got absolutely no joy against Juranovic. I think on that day, I do remember JJ had a shot like when we were trailing 1-0 and he ballooned it over the bar for 25 yards out. Other than that, it was a flawless performance, and again, this is at left back, which is all the more matter when you saw his debut there and how he performed. And you know, a couple of weeks ago in that game at Ibrox, when he's in a more settled Celtic team, and you know what he's capable of after that World Cup as well, and the performance he put in there. But we'll no talk about that most recent performance there. Let's talk about that one where he made his debut, John. And you know, overall, we were texting each other after the game and got a lot of positive uh, reports from us, despite the result. No, as you say, it was an odd game. I mean, we lost one nil, but it was a game we could easily have got at least a draw. We missed some great chances, and I thought JJ did well, and it couldn't have been an easy game for him. I mean, that was before we even signed CCV, so that would have been a defence that I think probably that was the first time, obviously, they played together, because JJ just said that it was the only time they played together, because we signed CCV on uh, transfer deadline day, and he made his debut in the next league game against Ross County, because that Rangers game was followed by a World Cup break, I think, a break for the internationals. So it was a, a difficult occasion for him, but he handled it well. And just to like briefly go on a tangent, his, his performances against Rangers were, were uh, interesting because, okay, his debut, he done well in a difficult situation. The 3-0 game, which we'll talk about later, it was absolutely amazing. The 2-1 game we won at Ibrox, it was his fault with Rangers' goal. Then he gets injured, pivotal moment at a Scottish Cup semi-final, we're going to lose. Then he's excellent in the 4 nothing game. And then he was terrible in that two each draw a couple weeks ago, so it's, it's been strange. The biggest games, he's usually been brilliant in the big games, but he'd won real stinker against Rangers. Maybe his worst performance for Celtic, but we won't dwell on that. But no, I mean, it wasn't easy for him, but you could tell that he was an experienced player that played for his country, had played in big games for Legia also. I mean, obviously, the Glasgow Derby is bigger. But no, he handled it well, and like, if Ange had any qualms about playing him, he didn't show that because he gave him his debut. I mean, it was needs must, I think. Greg Taylor had uh, done his shoulder in, as far as I remember, and he was out, and I mean, that was before Greg Taylor was arguably Celtic's most important player. He was a guy that people weren't sure about. Ange didn't pick JJ at left back that often. I mean, it was always something that we, I think, had to do in an emergency or what the manager felt was an emergency. 
in in contrast to a couple weeks ago, he handled the situation well, which has been amusing really. But no, you could tell already he was going to be a good player for us, and really he went from strength to strength after that performance. He just showed what a good player he was. We're going to talk about JJ's best performance now. I think he started coming into a wee bit of form in October 21. He scored a penalty against St Johnston. He was brilliant in the game that wasn't televised. Thank you, Sky, against Hibs. Then he got moved to left back again against Livingston, the game you were at, John, where GG missed that penalty. And then early December onwards, you had him up at Tanadice. He was outstanding in a 3-0 win when Rogic scored a screamer. David Tumble scored a cracker as well. And then like January onwards, that's when I felt JJ really, really settled into the team and he became such an important player in that Celtic backline alongside Joe Hart and Cameron Carter-Vickers. There was a match against Hearts, which I put down as a honourable shout-out. That match that we went 2-0 up against Hearts in, in the first half, they then came back when Liam Boyce scored. And then it was a game he missed the penalty as well. But Hearts battered us in that second half. And I always remember watching that match with Hamish John and thinking, Juranovic is incredible here. The week before it, he was brilliant against Hibs as well, scored a penalty. Um, that was the first game back after the break. But that display at Tynecastle was so good because the crowd was so hostile. They were right in toppies and the midfield fell right out of the game. And I always noticed that match, like Starfelt was passing it out wide to Juranovic, who was just so comfortable in the ball. There was like two or three Hearts players, you know, ganging up on him and try to put so much pressure on him, and he just got out at every time, and it was a standout performance from him there. The week after that, we beat Dundee United 1-0, 29th of January, that date we keep talking about, we talked about it on the last episode, and he was instrumental when he had the run, and I think he set up Jota for the cross for Abada. But the performance I do want to talk about was the one against Rangers, the one that we won 3-0. I think it was just a season-defining match, wasn't it? It was just exceptional that night. I mean, everybody goes on about Ryan Kent, and we always say how Ryan Kent is one of the Rangers players, John, that even if he's terrible, he always turns up against us. JJ just had him in his back pocket. From the first minute to the last, yeah, JJ was just incredible. I think if I'm really pushed on it, that was his best performance for Celtic on the 2nd of February 2022, the 3-0 match against Rangers. You know, if you've got Ralston in there, the chances are we'd probably still win the game. But the way that Juranovic just calmed us down on the ball when he started all the attacks. And you remember, John, in that first half, we absolutely terrorised Rangers down the left. And Barisic was completely haunted that night. And a lot of that was down to Abada and Juranovic running them riot. I think if anybody watched that performance that night, and I know that Rio Hitati, you know, deservedly gets all the praise for those two goals and the assists for um, Abada as well. But anybody watching that game, you could see that, you know, Josep Juranovic was also exceptional and a real standout for us. So of all the performances that he put in for us, I'm going to say that was his standout and his best ever display for Celtic. What are you going to go with? I won't pick that one, but I do think that was his best performance for Celtic. And I think that's maybe Celtic's best, 40, best Celtic 45 minutes against Rangers that there's been in years. I mean, maybe even since the 6-2 game, it was that good. I mean, okay, people will say that we were 3-0 up against them like earlier this season, but that was a different situation, really, because we knew how good that Celtic team was. This That was a big test for a Celtic team to go top of the league. Would they would they take the chance? I mean, we were all hyped that we would, but there was no guarantee, and it was an amazing performance. And as you say, I think that night just solidified what a great player JG was. He didn't give Ryan Kent 
who, as you say, is a player that can cause us problems. You only look at the the last derby. He can cause us problems. He did nothing at all. And JJ just steamrolled him and he was exceptional in attack as well. And, I mean, that Dungeon United game I thought he played well and the one you mentioned earlier, he, he did, I think, provide the pass to Jota who provided the cross for Leela Bada. And we only had 10 men in that game, don't forget, as well. And it just kept going all the time. I know we talk about how this we never stop stuff as a cliche that turned out to be true, but it really is when you talk about guys like Juranovic because I think that's why Ange liked him so much because he constantly was either attacking or defending. It took some of the Celtic players a while, I think, to get used to Ange's system, especially the fullbacks. I mean, I remember just at the start of last season when Ange started these inverted fullback stuff with the likes of Ralston and Taylor dropped money midfield. I was thinking this is going to be an absolute catastrophe. But obviously it doesn't turn to be that way. And JG adapted to that system in no time. And he managed to do it at left back and right back. And that shows how good a player he was. And a game that I think stood out for him was a game which you'll remember. Where you mentioned it, the 7-0 game against St. Johnson, where you memorably deleted a photo of us with nine fingers up after the game because we were nine points clear. But we still won't win the league. There you go. And I thought he was excellent that day. I mean, it was one of Celtic's best performances of the season. It was constant attack. The left-back and right-back, Taylor and JJ, were storming forward at every opportunity. JJ scored up, apparently, one of the, the five of six penalties he scored for Celtic. He missed one against Real Madrid. I think the last one he took. And he set up a goal as well. He had an assist, and it was one of Celtic's best goals of the season. Maybe Celtic's best goal last season, that Matt O'Reilly... Thunderbolt for just inside the penalty box where I think there was like 30, 35 passes in it. I think there was a video on Celtic's YouTube channel or Twitter where like, they put it in sort of fast speed, the number of passes, and it was like I think every player on the pitch got a touch of the ball. I think it was like 30, 35 passes, and the last pass was from JJ, and O'Reilly swiveled and turned and thrashed it in the net, and that goal summed up Andrew Celtic and I think JJ's performance that day and as you say, the one against Rangers summed up with him at his best, constantly going, attacking and defending. He looked so comfortable in attack and defence. That's just the mark of a good player. And the just real pity is that a week later he got injured and that ended his season. He didn't play another game for Celtic. In fact, I'd even go as far as to say if he hadn't got injured, we would have won the treble last year. But, I mean, these things happen in football. But I think that performance from JJ against St. Johnson was sensational and it was just a pity that a week later his season came to an end when he got injured in the Scottish Cup semi against Rangers. Right, then I'll let you go next and ask what was your favourite JJ moment then? Because we all know what I'm going to say. I don't want to make it all about me for the next 10 or 15 minutes. So John, do the honours please. Give us your best Juranovic moment. Yes, I wonder what yours is going to be. I can't think. But <laughs> mine was just a couple of days before your moment, when we won the league at Tanadice, of course, JJ couldn't play because he was injured out for the season, but he was there, of course, uh, involved in the celebrations after the game, and my favourite JJ moment was when he went on Instagram Live after the game, driving back to Glasgow from Dundee, and he was playing his theme song, Fireball, at ear-splittingly loud levels in his car as he drove back to Glasgow, where, of course, you went and saw the players celebrate. And, of course, as we all know, I didn't and ended up losing my wallet on a bus that night. But that's enough for me. But, no, I mean, I thought I just summed up the sort of guy JJ was. He might have been a guy that 
took it seriously on the pitch, but I mean, off the pitch, you could tell that he didn't take himself seriously, and I think that's why so many of the players loved him, and when you look at the the messages that they all sent him when he left, that he was putting, putting up on Instagram, I think all the players did love him, and the manager loved him as well, and I think there's a great team spirit in this Celtic team at the moment, and I think that's one of the reasons why we've been so successful. But the players must, I think the players even did respond to JJ doing that video where he was driving back to Glasgow, and I think they all loved it as well. And that song, Fireball, what a, what a song that is. Truly one of the greats, and that was my favourite non-footballing moment involving JJ. It just summed up the sort of guy he was. Uh, a guy that wasn't afraid to enjoy selling. Hey, we should all learn from that. So why don't you tell us, if we don't already know already, the, the moment, your favourite moment uh, involving JJ. Go tell tell everybody what we already know. Go on. And I just also say for the record that JJ is needed. All right, I think we're both going on as if it's a eulogy or something. It ain't the case. We're aware that he's alive and well. It's a it's a eulogy for his Celtic career, though. There you go, John. Thank you. I'll go into telling you my story. I think everybody will be bored to tears, but for the new listeners that might not know and haven't listened back to last season's episodes, then I will tell you once again. So. Back in May, before the Murrible game for Trophy Day. For the record, that probably was my favourite day of last season. So many memorable moments, but that was my favourite day. And not just for the Juranovic moment, it was just, you know, getting the access after the game to talk to Ange and some of the players, doing a video with Hamish at the ground and the match itself, 6-0, the, you know, the send-off that Tom Rogic and Neil Beaton both got. Just a brilliant day for everybody connected with the club and... You know, all the fans that stood by the manager and those players throughout the season didn't turn on their backs, gave Ange time, you know, supported all the players. We got rewards for it because it was just a real day of celebration and hopefully there's many more to come at Celtic Park. When I was doing a video with Hamish, you know, the Celtic security guy just said you can do your video just at the main stand and we're like, all right, great, so we don't need to do it outside, we could do it in the stadium. Um, and when we were setting up, Juranovic was walking by and I was just totally starstruck because obviously everybody at that point knew that I didn't shut up about him being my favourite player. I'm in my 30s and all that and I've got a favourite player, how embarrassing I, but that is what Celtic does to you, I guess. And um, I was actually embarrassingly t- <laughs> too shy to jump over and say something to him. So uh, Hamish actually shouted over to JJ, started saying, see this guy, he loves you, favourite player and all that. And then I uh, just waved at him, and then he just came over, chatting away. And I was like, wow, what a, what a sound guy. He was just basically asking what we were doing with the video stuff and basically how we enjoyed the game, all that. And then that's when I said, look, JJ, this is uh, awkward enough as it is with you next to a legend like myself here. But you want a photo? And he was more than happy to pose with a deadbeat like myself. So, John, you don't even see me with a smile on my face when we are doing stuff face-to-face or anything like that so you've known me for 10 years or so maybe more and it's fair to say that that's probably the happiest you've ever saw me because you even commented on that photo i think we've known each other for a lot longer than 10 years but uh, that's for another podcast no i mean that, that was no doubt a great day which as everybody knows i miss because i was at a wedding home and by the time i get back to glasgow the all the parties had practically ended but no i mean it must have been great meeting them, and JJ obviously was probably flattered, I'd say, that a, a Celtic podcaster of some repute, which we are, uh, one of the favourite players was JJ. And, I mean, football players will love that. I mean, even if it's old guys' laws, they must love people telling them, oh, you're brilliant and all that, and they've all got egos. And 
I'm sure JJ would have liked to, to uh, meet you, or he probably did forget about it, though, but I said after it happened, but because no doubt met loads of people that day, tell him how great he was. But no, it's just, it shows the mark of the man. It shows what a great guy JJ was. That he was happy to meet you and get a picture with you, and it's, it's just a sad, sad moment that you had to change your Twitter profile the other day from you and JJ to just you. We're going to talk about some honourable mentions now with JJ, and I have got noted down that penalty against Leverkusen, which was one of the coolest Celtic moments you'll ever get. His performance against St Johnston in the COVID game last season, it was the Boxing Day one, where there was like 500-odd fans, we won 3-1, but he actually played at right wing. He played at right wing against Ross County in the 2-1 game when Ralston scored two. But his performance, I felt, against St Johnston was really impressive at right wing. Um, not an easy position to play, but it wasn't an easy game at all with no fans there. And we could have easily, you know, sunk down to the levels of the season before it. Celtic feed off the fans' energy and the fans not being there in the COVID season was a really big factor in why things all went wrong for us under Lennon in 2021. So it would have been easy for the players to, you know, feel sorry for themselves that day and the amount of injuries, and I think a lot of the players had COVID as well, didn't they? McGregor was out, I believe. Um, but no, they really uh, stood up against St Johnston. They were excellent that day, and Juranovic had a fantastic performance. So I just wanted to note that. Was there any other honourable or obscure mentions you wanted me to mention before we talk about the next segment? I'd say an obscure one, Sora, is his only non-penalty kick goal when we beat Dungeon United 9 nothing. When he took a free kick, it was blocked, and then he hit a daisy cutter. That gave the goalie no chance. That was he scored six goals for us, five of them were penalties, and that was the only non-penalty goal. And in fact, his penalty record was excellent. He only missed one, and that was the last one ever took for us when we lost to Real Madrid in the Champions League. But that's my honourable mention because he wasn't really the sort of guy that was usually in position. He scored goals. That was a a weird one. Him taking a free kick and scoring for the rebound, but. I couldn't even remember him playing at right wing. That's uh, a good memory for you. That that game against St. John's, I know we've talked about that game quite a lot because it was a big game we had to win the last game before the the break to keep the the points difference. I think it's six points. But no, that was a that was a strange game, as you say. Tons of players were out. Kyogo got injured after ten minutes. It was out for four months after that. And that was um, again, just shows how good a player JJ was. He was able to play right wing, so that's three different positions he played in for Celtic in less than a year, and that shows how good a player he was, that he could play well in each of those positions. So myself and John sometimes have a laugh at our age on GigPod, right? We did decide the other day when we were talking about who the top five right-backs were since we've been supporting Celtic. We were both too young to see Danny McGrain live, so when we were making the list, and I'm going to go first from the best right-backs to, I don't want to say the worst, but, you know, it's the top five, shall we say, right, to the best to the, the least best. Right, so I'm going to go with Jackie McNamara first. Mikko Lustig was second. I'm going to say Juranovic third, Tom Boyd fourth, and Andy Hinkle fifth. What are you going to go with, John? Well, mine's just slightly different. I would let you have uh, Jackie as the best, because I think he was brilliant for many years. I'd have and Mikael Lustig at number two, he was also excellent for years. Number three, I'd actually have Didier Gat, even though he often played as a wing rank. I thought he was excellent in that position for us. Number four, I'd have Tom Boyd. I mean, I was sort of just go, started going to games during John, Tom Boyd's time at Celtic. It was a bad Celtic team for a lot of that, but 
he was a good captain in the end. And then to have Gigi as the probably the fifth best, I'd say, because he was uh, right up there when he was at his best. And I'm sure that the fans in Germany will love him because he gives his all. So I put him as my fifth favourite, or fifth best Celtic right back in all the years that I've been watching Celtic. I guess the last word on it is it's quite mad that there's a guy who's been at Celtic for about what, 18 months and we're doing a pod on him. You say thank you because of the impact that he made uh, and the performances that he put in for us. I think that's just a testament, isn't it, John, of you know what we think of him, but obviously what the Celtic supporters thought of him. The fact that he left um, in a positive manner as well. There wasn't like a snide dig or anything, or a lot of fans sort of weren't criticising the way that he left either. It seemed like the manager was happy for him, his teammates were happy for him, and you know, most importantly, the fans in Gigpod were happy for him. So, yep. All the best to JJ. It's quite something that we're doing a pod like this when he was here for less than two years. But that just shows you how classy he was for us. And let's hope that AJ is here for a lot longer and has a far bigger impact at Celtic. Yep, I'd agree with all that. Good luck to JJ in Germany. He was a very good player for us. But that's probably the last time we'll ever mention him on GigPod. And from now on, as you say, it's all about AJ, his replacement. And he started his Celtic career well and Here's home he'll be selling for a lot longer than 18 months. But well done to JJ. He was a very good player for us. Helped us win a title. Few people would have thought we would win. He was a huge part of that. And best of luck to him in Germany. Very emotional stuff, right? This has been GigPod episode 150. I'm Stevie. Thanks a lot for listening. I will let Rizzo do the honours with the last word. Right, so thank you, Stevie, on this landmark 150th episode of GigPod. Incredible stuff. That we're at so many episodes and it's all thanks to you, our wonderful fans. So you know where to find us by now and on the usual podcast places. You can leave us reviews and leave us reviews and good ratings. Tell us how great we are. You can find Stevie on social media, on Instagram and on Twitter at GigPod. We'll be back after the Dungeon United game on Sunday. And who knows, we, be, well, we will be talking about more Celtic transfer news. We've already got one player in. We'll probably have players leaving as well, but we'll talk about that on Sunday or after Sunday, of course. And we've got a Dungeon United game and there's yet more games next week, so excited times as ever for Celtic and at, Gig- and at Gigpod as ever so thanks to everybody for listening we'll speak to you all soon good luck to JJ and hail hail Network.